We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I'm here. Tommy is here. Let me begin by just suggesting that if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast with Jay Gruden, it's definitely worth the listen. Jay's really a good guest. Um, He's excellent. Uh, And uh, he's got really good insight, but he's also, um, you know, very good, uh, a very good communicator. He had a lot to say about Deron Payne and John Allen, which is a conversation we've had for a while, and a lot right. to say about the upcoming season, uh, Sam Howell, et cetera. Actually, I think the most interesting part, Tommy, of the conversation, because I played some of it back on radio this morning as well, is just talking about the NFL in this day and age on whether or not you can win a Super Bowl with just a great defense and a less-than-average quarterback in offense. And he believes you can. Now, he started to point back to Trent Dilfer and the Ravens and his brother's Buccaneers team, but they, his brother's Buccaneers team had Brad Johnson, a quarterback. You know, um, Yeah, and let's, let's point out, that's almost a generation. That's a generation ago. 100% right. And I pointed that out to him. I'm like, that's yeah. a long time ago, but he said he's still convinced a dominant defense. And... The reason for bringing it up is there is a chance that Washington's defense could be a dominant defense this upcoming season. And, you know, it was top 10 last year. What if it took another jump and it became kind of a top five-ish defense? Look, the Jets' defense last year was off the charts. And they had a shitty quarterback situation. And after starting 7-4, and four, basically lost the rest of their games. And that's why they went out and dealt for, you know, Aaron Rodgers. But, but, you know, when you think about it, I mean, it's almost like the 100-year flood. I mean, the, def- the, the instances where that have happened have not just been dominant defenses. They've been historic defenses. No doubt. Uh, I mean, it, well, look, the 49ers have had, I wouldn't call it historic here in recent years, but it's been as good as we've seen in a long, long time. And they got close. They had a 10-point lead on the Chiefs in the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. at quarterback. But I, I I, almost think like this is the Kyle Shanahan run scheme outlier that you can be really average at quarterback, but they were dominant as a rush offense. 
Um, I think, you know, you can't be subpar offensively altogether and win a Super Bowl. I just don't – I think offense wins now in the NFL. Now, I don't know if it yeah, wins absent of built. defense. The league, the league is built that way. Yeah. I don't know if it wins absent of defense overall. I mean, I think you almost have to go back to um, that uh, that Colts team and even the Saints team that won Super Bowls uh, and, and look at defenses that just weren't that good. Um, because recently – you know, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. That defense was good enough. The Rams were really good defensively. Tampa was exceptionally un- exceptional on defense. Uh, I can't remember. Like, I'm just looking back through here the recent list. I mean, Seattle was dominant defensively. You know, the funny thing about Baltimore's Super Bowl win in 2012 over San Francisco is that was not a great Baltimore defense. It was a good Baltimore defense, but they were led by their yeah. offense in the postseason. Um, the Giants were obviously outstanding defensively in their two wins over the Patriots. The, the Saints were not a great defensive team They beat the, the year they beat the Colts, and the Colts weren't a great defensive team the year they beat the Bears, even though that Colts team uh, was bad defensively for a, a big part of the year, but they got Freeney and Mathis, who were unhealthy, back late in that year and in the postseason, and then ended up being really good and, in the postseason. And wasn't that – didn't they also get the Bob Sanders back? They too? got uh, – actually, he... did they get Sanders back or did they miss Sanders altogether? That's a, I think you might be right about that, actually. That's a really good yeah. pull Um He, he was a Sanders. big impact player. Oh, major impact player. But anyway, Jay yeah. was great on that conversation because, you know, he coached with Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati – with Andy Dalton at quarterback and really good defensive teams in Cincinnati, coached by, by the way, Mike Zimmer, who, regardless of what you think of Mike Zimmer as a head coach, has been one of the real outstanding defensive minds in football during his time in football. But Andy Dalton was an average quarterback, actually maybe a little bit better than average those years. He had A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert and Giovanni Bernard. They had some weapons. You know, and I said to Jay, I go, look, you know, no offense, but the Houston teams that basically knocked you guys out of the playoffs on two different occasions, those were teams that had bad offenses with T.J. Yates at quarterback and some of, you know, the likes of of, of what they had. But they had dominant defenses, but they couldn't win more than one playoff game. Anyway, good conversation with Jay Gruden yesterday, and it's worth um, the listen. Uh, I want to mention, as I did yesterday, that we have a new sponsor on the podcast. It is the Circa Resort Casino and Sportsbook out in Vegas. And the Circa is the sportsbook now out in Las Vegas. It's where our good friends Tim Murray and the producer of this podcast, Aaron Oster, uh, both work. And the Circa has their Circa Million contest and their Circa Survivor pool. And these are two, you know, incredible contests slash pools that you can be a part of. You know, you in the Circa Million, you win a million bucks if you win this pool at the end of the year. It's a $1,000 entry. You are allowed up to five entries, and you pick five games a week versus the spread, and at the end of the year, the person with the best overall record wins a million bucks. But they've got another $5 million worth of prizes that they give out 
during the course of the year, weekly contests, quarterly contests. Um, there's a lot of money uh, to be had. Uh, and, you know, like all of these things, you know, who knows? You get in on one of these things and the actual size of the pool isn't as big as maybe they thought it would be. And now you're really in the odds of potentially coming home with some cash. You got to be in Vegas, unfortunately, to sign up for this thing. And then after that, you can use a proxy to, to place your uh, bet. So it seems a little complicated, but but it really isn't, especially if you're planning a trip to Vegas. I would encourage you to go to the Circa or any of the Circa properties and sign up for the Circa Million or the Circa, Circa Survivor Pool, which is your typical survivor pool. You pick you know, a winner, no point spread each week, can only pick the same team once during the year, and the actual winner is going to win $8 million for a $1,000 uh, entry. Um, the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor Pool, uh, totally worth it. It's circasports.com to find out more information. Um, I actually need to take a trip to Vegas. I haven't been to Vegas in a few years now. You know, I think I think we got a road trip coming to Circa. <laughs> we got a lot. I mean, we got a lot that we're trying to plan here. I mean, the other day you had us on a road trip. You had us on something else that you were trying to put together at the end, and now it's a Vegas trip. Um, we, Tommy and I and um, the Sports Fix podcast here would be up for a sponsored weekend in Vegas to the Circa. By the way, the Circa would put us up. We, we would have no problems with, uh, with hotel, um, you know, for a very good rate. We've got Aaron working for the Circa. We've got Tim Murray doing a show from the Circa. And now they're a sponsor on the podcast. So we could, with the hotel part would be taken care of. We just got to figure out, you know, the rest of it. We can do that on our own. Well, I, I figured somebody listening somewhere will step up. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, so... Tom, uh, there were two interesting, this is uh, actually, I want to start with this. I watched the first three or so innings of the all-star game last night. Josiah Gray pitched great by the way. Um, and that's when I pretty much turned it off after he went one, two, three, perfect clean slate, uh, in the inning that he pitched, but my God, and I think this was smart, and I think it's been smart by the by Major League Baseball with these All-Star games. And by the way, the NFL's done it for that su- stupid Pro Bowl thing that they, you know, used to have. And that is they're miking up, you know, so many different players. But last night, and tell me if you think I'm wrong about this, they miked up Nathan Avaldi, the pitcher for the Rangers, who was pitching. You had a miked up pitcher. While he was pitching, it's not uncommon to have conversations with outfielders as they're just standing around waiting that maybe something will happen on a given pitch and have a conversation or with a first baseman. But I don't think I had ever seen a pitcher mic'd up. Did you watch this? Yes, I watched I watched all nine innings of, of the game, by the way. Wow. They also had mic'd up Josh Hader as well. I missed that. Uh, and... Uh, and I don't like that. I don't like them miking up the pitchers. I don't mind them miking up the outfielders. Why? And I get it, you know, uh, because I like the pitchers to concentrate. I agree. I agree, I with, like I agree with that. My pitch, I don't like my pitcher to, to, to be worried about a voice inside his head. He has <laughs> enough voices inside his head telling him what to throw and what not to throw. So, you know, so I don't, I don't particularly like that. But, you know, it's an exhibition game. 
and, uh, you know, Fox is paying a lot of money, and you kind of hand it over to the TV people, and, you know, they, they, you know, they try to get creative with it. I don't like it, but I certainly understand it. Uh, it's not that big of a deal to me because it is an exhibition game. But, you know, the, the one thing about baseball as opposed to the other sports is it, for some reason it's a game that even when, when, when that's going on, the players seem to take seriously in the moment. Um, you know, when Craig Kimball in the ninth inning with two runners on and two outs, he was feeling the pressure, okay? The National League hadn't won since 2012 and were ahead 3-2, to two, and he was having a problem getting guys out. You could tell he was feeling the pressure. So uh, maybe it's the nature of the sport uh, that allows you to be able to step into a moment of pressure and then step away from it, you know, and relax. But uh, I think that's still why... It's the best of all the all-star games because it has the it has the appearance of credibility while it's going on. It was a good game all through all nine innings. Well, bless your heart for hanging in there for nine innings of the all-star game. I mean, I remember there was a time when I would do that. Um, that time has passed. But with respect to miking up uh, the pitcher, I totally agree with you that it was distracting to the pitcher. You could tell, like. He did it, and it's something that they want to do, and it provides more entertainment for sure for the for the viewer. But you could tell that you know the last thing I think he really wanted, given that yeah. these players, and I agree with you also. Sorry, I'm I'm agreeing with you a lot today, but I think that when they get there, it's like they want to play well. I mean, it's an All Star game. They don't want to be the guy that yeah. gives up two home runs. They don't want to be the guy that has an error. They don't want to be the guy that strikes out twice in their two at bats um, with all of their you know superstar contemporaries you know uh, in, in the game with them. And you could tell he was distracted. Still, as a viewer, it was fascinating. And when he faced, um, he faced. Um, Carroll, uh, he faced the kid from Arizona that came up uh, at one point. And the oh, batter, yeah. he was mic'd up too. So the two of them, pitcher and batter and broadcasters, are all having a conversation as you know as we're going through a pitch and an attempt at a hit. Um, he grounded out, by the way, hard. He, he ripped one down the first baseline, but right to, um, I think it was Freddie Freeman who was there uh, on first base. And that ended the yeah, inning. Yeah, Freddie Freeman was that first cent. Yeah, I think that was yeah that that was it. That was probably it. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, I thought that that was interesting and and made it an interesting watch for a few innings. Um, you know, I'm so tired of uh, David Ortiz too. I'm so over him. He's such a big blowhard. He really is. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. You know, Jim, Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer at one time last night, uh, because, again, we'll get to this in a minute, he says, might Fox tell us who Perdomo plays for? Just walk. Wait, what? Okay, Jim, one of, Jim one Palmer of wasn't, he wasn't on the broadcast. What are you talking about? No, he tweeted this. Oh. Jim Palmer tweeted, tweeted what might again? Fox tell us who Perdomo plays for? Just walked. Okay, which speaks to the uniforms, because... They wear these oh my stupid, God. 
Why you, why aren't they American wearing their team? Why don't they wear their team's uniforms anymore? Why, I don't because understand they that. They could sell these. They could sell these oh, yeah, somehow and make some money. But they really caught a lot of grief for it last night. Oh, well, they were they were you know? so bland. I mean, I guess they were the Mariners' team colors, right? Is that what they went for? Or I don't know. That, that's guess. what it seemed like to me. The, Nas- the National League, their pants look like the kind of pants you'd buy in an Army-Navy store. <laughs> they're, uh, they're unbelievable. Uh-huh. They look like work pants. But here's, here's what Jim Palmer also tweeted. And do I have to listen to David Ortiz anymore? <laughs> oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, a- A-Rod looks like a car salesman. You know, David Ortiz is just so impressed with everything he says. I really, I'm, I, mean, I have no use for the Fox crew. Yeah, um, who, except for Kenny Rosenthal, who was doing who's doing play by play for them. He's good. Uh, why am I blanking? Um, is it Bernhardt or Kevin uh, Burkhart? No, Joe Davis. Joe Davis is good. He's very good. Okay, I, I, I he's the guy that replaced Joe Buck when Joe Buck went with Aikman to Monday right. Night Football. And I'm I'm a little tired of uh, John Smoltz, but I can live with John Smoltz. Smoltz is good though, Tommy. During these playoff games, I always think Smoltz is great. You you don't? I think Darling is better. Okay. I like the TBS crew. I I think Joe Davis is good. I'm looking up um Joe Davis because he is a young dude. Uh. But it was it was a, it was a good broadcast 30, overall, and it was thirty five years it, old. It was. A, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is pretty young for broadcasting. And I, like you, I was I was glad to see Josiah Gray get through his inning one two three, a nice clean inning. Uh, you don't know when he'll be back there again. Uh, and you're right; you don't want to have that All Star memory be a nightmare for you. I mean, on BaseballReference.com, when they list your your career records, there's a separate entry for All Star appearance. <laughs> there really is. So, <laughs> yes. Uh. So you don't want that to be like a, a 6.22 ERA for your one time in the game. You know, so I was happy for him. Um, so Joe Davis replaced Joe Buck uh, as the number one, not the, not the number one guy on Fox, but the number one guy, uh, uh, the number one baseball guy on, on Fox because he called the World Series games, he called the All-Star games, and he called one of the NFL Divisional Playoff uh, games. Um uh, in the playoffs, the other guy I've noticed recently, and I can't remember where I just watched him. Uh, it could have been, it could have been. Oh, I know where I was watching a rerun of an NFL Network NFL game from last year. Is Ian Eagle's son Noah Eagle, who is very good as well? He's twenty five years old. And he's calling NFL games, and I think right now, um, yeah, he did some Big Ten Network, does some NBC stuff. He's excellent too. Um, just, I think I think Joe Davis does a good job. I, I think he's he's good. Okay. But 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 Ortiz bothers me too. Like uh, enough of him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I guess I, I mentioned the All Star Game because, you know. Tonight is the quietest night on the sports calendar of the year. You know, we've talked about this particular night 
for many years now. This is the one night. I think it's the one night. Um, there may be another one at some point, uh, but it's the one night that we know every year is not going to include at least one Major League Baseball game, one NFL game, one NHL game, one NBA game, one college football game, one college basketball game. You know, the six most watched you know, sports, right. the four major pro sports, and then among, you know, the college sports that are most watched. And usually, you know, and, Andy Poland, our good friend Andy, um, said, you know, once said about, you know, somebody who s- said, hey, you know, uh, I could do that. And talking about, you know, sports talk radio and Andy's answer was, well, anybody can do one show. But trying to try to do the show on the day after the All Star Game when there's nothing <laughs> going on, but we got some things going on. We had oh, yes, we do. We had a story from Don Van Natta this morning, which was very interesting and, and had a lot of new information in, uh, uh, new information uh, on Dan Snyder and the Gruden emails. We also had, uh, and I w- mentioned this to you before we started to record, and you already knew about it and had already um, uh, talked about it apparently on social media, but we had a site that resembled a Washington football team team site get a note from the team, and that generated a big response. So we will get to those things and a lot more right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, to secure a first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. You have to use my promo code, KevinDC, to claim that bonus. Whether you're a diehard or a casual fan, simply put, there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. By the way, that reminds me of a story that I'm going to tell 
in the final segment of the show today. Um, It's not a story that I'm going to tell. It's a story that I'm going to read that was written by Pat Forty, longtime, you know, um, writer for various outlets, Tommy. You can probably name them. But he's been writing for Sports Illustrated uh, here recently. And he um, had all of the information on this incident that happened in college baseball betting back in April. Uh, which led to the firing of Alabama's baseball coach. And it's an all-time story of stupidity. Uh, But this segment will focus on Dan Snyder's stupidity because there's always plenty of that to go around. So Don Van Natta um, and Seth Wickersham wrote a story today titled, He Was Free and Clear. How the leak of John Gruden's email led to the fall of Commander's owner Dan Snyder. Which, by the way, uh, I won't you know, break our arms patting ourselves on the back, but it's something that Tommy and I together have been talking about for well over a year, if not longer, and that yeah. is... Snyder, you know, I've referred to it as Snyder's self-sabotage, you know, um, uh, essentially he, this is what he does. He boomerangs himself. Like he just, he, and he just never sees it coming because he's incapable of thinking strategically. And we've talked about how the Gruden emails, whoever leaked it, and there's a lot of evidence that Dan Snyder was certainly a likely leaker of many of these emails that it, it got him this, you know, I always use your line and, and credit you, you know, the passage of time would have undone him anyway. The passage of time never benefits Snyder and he would have done something else stupid, but the thing had died down. He was as yes, this, ti- as this title describes, he was free and clear. And so the story basically goes through um, how these Gruden emails, which were leaked first to the Wall Street Journal in October of 2021, and then a few days later to the New York Times, basically undid Snyder. Snyder was, you know, the Beth Wilkinson investigation had died down. The punishment, no matter how, you know, insignificant it was and no matter how stupid he was to protest it, um, was you know, had died down for the most part. And this is what got Congress to open up their investigation, which led to Tiffany Johnston, Jason Friedman, and everything else eventually culminating in another investigation, uh, which was the Mary Jo White investigation, which we still don't have the reports, and really pushed the league to do what they had always wanted to do, and that was to run Dan and force him to sell. And he did it to himself. Again, let me emphasize, eventually he was going to do something again that would have been stupid. But this was, for the moment, what resurrected the uh, the push to get him out. You're right. I mean, it, it, it really was. Everything you said, I agree with 100% in that, uh, you know, this was what generated... The congressional interest. This is this is what the NFL emails broadened the scope of it to include the league, which gave the congressional committee a chance to to create this bigger picture that they were looking into a league-wide problem when they were really actually going after Dan Snyder. Yeah, but their entree was 
that there was there's a league problem. There's a problem in the NFL now because that's what the emails gave them an entree to do to broaden the scope of what they caught what what they were going to have hearings about and you know to more legitimize what they what they would, would do so you're right i mean without the email leaks i mean again i've always thought that snyder you know the aura of self destruction but for now he's out of it you know he's he's st- he's still in charge there's no josh harris there's none of this right now yeah, I mean, and that's essentially what Van Natta and Seth Wickersham report is that, you know, without this, Dan Snyder would still likely be the owner of the team. So there are a couple of the – I thought there was a lot of new um, in this story, you know, things that we didn't know. First of all, let me just tell you that, like, the overarching um, – you know, theme to this story is who leaked the emails? Was it the league? Because they had incentive to do it. Um, and we'll get into that. Was it Demora Smith, the head of the NFLPA? Well, he was coming up for a vote. He had incentive to do it. Or was it Dan Snyder or somebody close to Dan Snyder? Because there's clearly circumstantial evidence that Snyder um, would have been, you know, maybe not circumstantial evidence, but there was certainly enough out there that indicates that Snyder had the motivation to do it as well. And, you know, again, regardless of who leaked it, and that's a big part of this story, the bottom line is without the leaks, Snyder's probably still the owner because you don't get what you got, which was the con- the congressional investigation and inquiry, which led to that roundtable in February of 2022, which produced Jason Friedman and Tiffany Johnston and ultimately led to the Mary Jo White investigation. And finally, the league had had enough and Dan had had enough and everybody had had enough and Dan decided to sell the team. But I wanted to start with... There's a section of the story titled Dictating His Punishment. And I found this particular section to be revealing because I don't think we knew a lot about this. Um, And just so incredible when it comes to, you know, the way Dan behaved when he was backed into a corner. And I'm just going to read from this particular section. In June of 2021, Dan Snyder's legal team and select league executives gathered at NFL headquarters in Manhattan. In survival mode, Snyder's team of lawyers prepared a defense against the findings from attorney Beth Wilkinson's investigation into the franchise. The previous summer, he had hired Wilkinson to look into the team, a move to keep the league office at arm's distance. But the league quickly had assumed control of Wilkinson's inquiry and quietly struck an accord with Snyder's team, something called, we know about this, a common interest agreement that the owner and the league would share all evidence and material collected and that neither the NFL nor Snyder would release any information from the inquiry without the other's consent. Although it appeared to owners and executives that the league and Snyder had worked together to minimize the investigation's impact, 
palpable tension existed. In league circles, Goodell appeared to be growing weary of Snyder. During the pandemic, it became a running joke among some owners and executives that when Snyder spoke on video conference calls, Goodell looked irritated or distracted. But now Snyder moved beyond simply annoying the league office to causing serious problems. When Snyder's lawyers, famed defense attorney Joe Tacopina, who, by the way, Tommy, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's represented Trump um, uh, before, uh, assisted yes. by... Assisted by Reed Smith partners Jordan Sieve or Siev and James McCarroll, they began to show a series of slides. Those in the room were stunned, according to sources. What was presented was not a defense against any of the Wilkinson's Wilkinson findings made against Snyder. It was a series of screenshots of potentially embarrassing emails and texts from several top league executives, including Goodell's top lieutenant, Jeff Pash, uh, you know, a counsel to the league and, and Goodell's right-hand man. The rationale, according to a source with first-hand knowledge, was to argue the hypocrisy of league officials judging Snyder. The tactics were so ruthless that some attorneys felt uncomfortable, although none of the content content was sexist, anti-gay, or graphic. The signal was clear. If Goodell didn't do what Snyder wanted in terms of handling the Wilkinson report and punishment, these emails and texts would be leaked. It became known in league circles as the, quote, blackmail PowerPoint, PowerPoint. closed quote. (laughs) And so... Keep in mind, June of 2021, the Wilkinson report is done. Now it's about discussing what sort of direction Goodell is going to take in the aftermath of this. Now, they have this common interest agreement, which has led a lot of people to believe, well, that thing was never coming out, which may be true. But this allowed this blackmail PowerPoint from Snyder and Snyder's attorneys clearly spooked the league enough, according to Van Natta and Wickersham, that they basically, as as our good friend Jim Zorn would say, complied. Because league <laughs> executives and others involved in the case were angry with Snyder's tactics. Um, but by late that month, late June, Snyder was basically, according to this story, dictating his punishment down to every detail, according to a source with knowledge of the deliberations. Legal sources said that Snyder and his lawyers were consulted by NFL executives in the drafting of the news release, with Snyder weighing in on word choices. It was an atypical and collaborative process as compared with the way the league typically meets out punishment, notably in the one-sided judgments after Bounty Gate and Deflate Gate. Snyder and his team were pleased with the results, later bragging that the discipline was surprisingly light. Um, as we know from that time period, we know that the team was fined $10 million um, and that Dan agreed to allow Tanya to step in as the acting CEO. But recall from that time period 
There was no discussion ever of a suspension of Snyder. Um, And people like Tom, I never got a call, but others in the market got calls from, do you remember, by the way, which attorney called you? No, I don't. Tom got a call and others got calls from Snyder's attorneys saying, just so you know, and to be clear, Dan wasn't suspended. The team was, uh, Dan wasn't fined. The team was, and Dan was not suspended. And remember my takeaway and yours as well from that moment was just how fucking stupid is he? Like, he should be begging for a strict and severe punishment. So it looks like this was taken seriously and that there was teeth to the punishment. And that, you know, by doing that, people weren't going to really question uh, and push for the actual report to be released. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, the Lisa Banks clients and all of the the various people, some of whom I've had on the show, weren't going to continue to push. But there wasn't going to be, if he was actually punished, if he could actually actually read the room and take accountability it would have actually accelerated the this going away which it eventually did anyway by the time we got to the fall of 2021 but um he because of these emails and the threat to Goodell and the exposure of these emails to the league was able to dictate the punishment. It was funny. I had Don Van Natta on the show this morning, Tommy, and he said, I'm surprised people haven't taken away. The biggest takeaway was Dan actually was involved in writing the press release. And I said to him, I said, you know, the press release was actually the one thing that had some teeth in it because Goodell actually really did in that press release, and I I could pull it up here, but Uh, I'll paraphrase. He talked about how the culture was very toxic and how there was harassment and how it was a toxic workplace. And remember, he used the word bullying multiple times. I still think that if you were to ask all of them what the real result of the Wilkinson investigation was, it was that Dan was just a, you know, a tyrant and a bully and treated people very poorly, which we had always heard. Um, about the, you know his style of of management, but uh, that's the bottom line is Tommy. We never saw the Wilkinson investigation because Snyder, with the with this threat, with this PowerPoint threat, ensured that we were never going to see it, and we'll probably never see it. No, I mean I think that ship sailed a while back. Now it's funny because yeah, I but now I, yeah go ahead. But you would think. Once he was out of the picture, maybe somebody who has information from that investigation would leak it. Because I'm sure there's more than two or three people that have the knowledge and details of that investigation. But they would risk then, you know, a breach of, you know, a breaking of their agreement. Since they had this agreement, that one would not release the information without approval from the other. Uh, they would surely be sued. We'll also remember there was that report that um, the junkies had, that Jason had from the junkies, um, that uh, he had somebody tell him that Beth, part of Beth Wilkinson's recommendations was to force Dan Snyder to sell the team. Now, you know, 
all due respect to the junkies, and I, Jason is a friend of mine, and I like Jason a lot. He also had the Brian Davis stuff, you know, about Brian Davis being a legitimate buyer, potential buyer of the team. But I actually do believe what they had back then. I do believe that Beth Wilkinson, um, part of her recommendations were that Dan sell the team or Dan be voted out, one or the other. However, that Dan not continue to own the team. Yeah. Because I think that Beth Wilkinson reports much more damning. This is a guess. I think it's much more damning than the Mary Jo White investigation. Well, it's much bigger in scope. True. Although we don't know how Mary Jo White broadened the scope. Right. Will uh, will we know that? Goodell has never backed off that the, 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 the report will be released. I asked Van Nat, I said, could some of the, remember remember all the stuff about indemnification and Snyder was trying to get indemnified by the league before he, yeah. you know, agreed to sell the team. You know, I wonder if some of that indemnification has to do with, you know, any, well, we've always, we've always suggested it might have something to do with Mary Jo White, um, but whether it has right. to do with Wilkinson report in the future or if it has to do with, because I think the you know th- that section that I just read was to me really entertaining for our purposes. You know, the uh, th- there were other parts to it, including the fact that John Gruden's not giving up on this thing. He's pushing forward. He wants to know who leaked this stuff and who you know basically came after him, and whether or not it was coming after him or he was just potentially collateral damage to Dan going after Bruce Allen because right. we've surmised that the reason look there and, and Dan Don Van added and, and Wickersham do a great job one of the things you learn from reading this story is that you know they circle back to the Andrew Beaton story which you know I, I, I remember the day that you said when these leaked emails came out and said Andrew Beaton that's the guy that wrote the the embarrassing puff piece on Snyder a few months ago uh, and and it's like let's connect the dots here. Who leaked this stuff to to Andrew Beaton at the Wall Street Journal? Yeah, what, what... And, and and remember, uh, Will Misselbrook, who they had just hired as I forget what his title was, some kind of media chief executive. creative marketing chief creative officer, yeah. chief uh, creative. He yeah, worked CMO. for Dow Jones. Yeah, he worked for the Wall Street Journal company. And let's not forget that they were working with Rock Nation at the po- at that point, Jay Z's yes. PR company, and there were significant, you know, uh, 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 ties to the New York Times and leaking stuff to the New York Times, which was the second batch of emails that got linked. But you know, uh, Van Natta does a good job of, of basically, you know, saying, "Look, Demora Smith almost admitted that he was potentially one of the leakers of some of these emails because in the in the moment people thought if they could make Demora Smith into a sympathetic figure then he would be voted uh, you know as as the president of the NFLPA again because the voting for that was going on simultaneously and he was in trouble of losing that vote he eventually barely won the vote um, the league uh, one of the things you learn is just this antagonistic relationship between Goodell and Gruden I didn't know it was that antagonistic. Gruden hated Goodell, and Goodell hated Gruden. Um, And so there was some potential incentive there by the league. But for Dan, he had the relationship with the Wall Street Journal. 
He had the relationship with the New York Times. By the way, the fact that this was leaked to the journal in the Times and not the Washington Post is also another clear indication that it could have been Snyder. The fact that none of these emails that were leaked made Dan look bad was another reason to think that Dan leaked these emails because none of these emails had anything to do with Dan. They all had to do with Gruden and also making Bruce look like the bad guy. You know, so all of that kind of added up to, uh, in, in, in this story written by Van Natta, this investigative piece written by Van Natta and, and Wickersham, as Dan was certainly motivated to leak these emails. Keep in mind, as we know, there was always this attempt to make Bruce look like the problem, that the toxic workplace was Bruce, even though we pointed out and have pointed out for several years now, going back to the initial reports, uh, Dan, most of these allegations were pre-Bruce even getting here, you dummy. Yes. Um, but, you know, they, they, this has always been their mode. Like, they don't think about those things. Or they just figure we're all too, stup- you know, too stupid to do the calendar math on all of this. But it's a really good story with a lot of interesting stuff. And I know a lot of you are saying, hey, it's going to be over here in a week and a half. Who cares? It's July 12th. This was another really good piece, and I still care about this. I would like to see how this Gruden case – Gruden's holding the league right now uh, by the you-know-whats because there are, apparently there, there's something referred to as Pash's um, – as in Jeff Pash's stash or something like that. Maybe I'm I, – I, it's such a long story. I took notes here, and I can't find – but there, there's just a lot of pa- uh, Pash's black box, it's called. And so there's a lot of stuff in there, apparently, on Pash and others that the league would not like to see part of Discovery. They want this Gruden case The NFL settled. is hoping to – the NFL, and they've lost so far at every step of the way, Right, is trying to get this uh, put into arbitration Yeah, where it'll be kept secret as opposed to the courtroom where the discovery documents will be made public. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, There's so much interesting in this. How I mean, nothing to do with the uh, commanders, but the animosity between the Raiders and the Leafs oh, yeah. from the Al Davis days still goes on. Oh, yeah. They, the Raiders still are still convinced. They they get screwed over by the league, every, you know, all the time. No doubt, I think, and they have reason to believe that. I, I think that the 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 one section uh, detailing like the Gruden Goodell thing, and and I'm looking for it right now because um, that's a perfect segue into this because I totally agree with you. I thought that stuff was riveting to read. Um, here it is. Uh, Gruden's enemies list. This is the, this one section of this story as in John Gruden. Uh, Gruden had his reasons to believe Goodell in the league office had it out for him. The reasons were planted by Al Davis, who taught Gruden to hate the NFL office from the moment he hired the coach in 1998. Um, eight years, by the way, uh, before Goodell became commissioner, because Tagliabue was commissioner at that point. Davis often told Gruden that the executives at 345 Park Avenue played favorites, classic Raiders paranoia. But it also stemmed from Davis suing the league for antitrust violations. Uh, you know, they get into the whole Pete Rozelle stuff, et cetera, John Elway, you know, they had a trade for John Elway in the league, you know, refused to, to let that trade go through, whatever. 
Um, but after becoming one of the game's best and most celebrated coaches, Gruden saw examples that the old man was right. He talks about the tuck rule game, you know, the Patriots game, uh, and the Raiders yeah. being screwed uh, in that one. Um, he had he had never heard of the tuck rule before that night. But this is the part that I thought was interesting. Gruden, um, in calling Monday Night Football from the booth, um, started to get frustrated with, you know, a lot of the referee calls, you know, and the legislation of the physical part out of the game. And his, frust- his frustration came to a boil during a December 2011 Monday night game between the Falcons and the Saints. Atlanta linebacker Curtis Lofton delivered a helmet-to-helmet hit on receiver uh, Marcus Colston over the middle and was flagged for unnecessary roughness. To a national TV audience, Gruden stated his displeasure with the call. I just don't understand how games are being officiated, Gruden said. Uh, Gruden's commentary earned him a call from the league's Park Avenue headquarters. Over the phone, Goodell asked Gruden to come to the league office to meet with John Madden and Jeff Fisher. The purpose, as the commissioner explained, was for Gruden to get a lesson on player safety. Gruden told Goodell, you got to be fucking kidding me. No, I'm sorry. You got to be shitting me is what's written. Gruden thought it was a joke. He said he needed a player safety lesson from Madden and Fisher, two coaches whose players delivered some of the ugliest hits in NFL history. Yes. I mean, it's yes. so true, right? Madden in the in the Raiders of the 70s and Fisher with, you know, the the uh uh the the, the hits and the I mean, Gruden later told friends he felt that Goodell was treating him like a stooge who had never coached in the league. Like, I don't study football day in and day out. Um, Gruden never went to the league office for that meeting. And the only time he ever met Goodell was years later. He went to the league office to promote a youth football clinic, one of Gruden's passions. He expected to sit down with Goodell and plan a way to increase participation rates. Instead, Gruden met with an assistant of the commissioner. At the end of the session, Goodell entered a conference room, thanked Gruden for coming, and left. Gruden fumed after the brief meeting, and he never spoke with Goodell again. I thought that was pretty funny, though. Madden and Fisher. <laughs> like, John Gruden knows you know, enough about the, NFL history. Yeah, yeah, I mean, George Atkinson, <laughs> yeah, who was Jack Tatum. Uh, a defensive, well, you know, George Atkinson, who played defensive back for the uh, Raiders. Uh, Chuck Knoll, the Steelers coach, basically called him a criminal, and George Atkinson wound up suing him in court right. for it. The Raiders were a motorcycle gang back then. Yeah. Um, by the way, Gruden uh, Gruden got fined for some um, pandemic COVID-19 violations. The Raiders yeah, did. This and, is so funny. And Gruden, and Gruden got fined. Um, as The team got fined 350000 Gruden got fined 150000 I think it was. And... Um, uh, uh, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, uh, offered to pay Gruden's $150,000 fine, but the league insisted Gruden pay it personally. Livid, Gruden appealed the fines but ended up writing the checks. After he did, his friend Sean Payton, then the Saints coach, who had also been fined for COVID-19 violations, called him and laughed, saying to Gruden, quote, I never paid the fine. Other coaches refused to pay. You're the only dumb motherfucker that paid the fine. 
Uh, there's there's just some really good stuff in this story. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, one. yeah. Here, here, here's one particular line. It's just in the middle of it. You know, in quiet moments, Gruden had designs on one day becoming commissioner. Commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> right. These guys are all crazy. By the, by the way, how about Gruden basically begging Andrew Beaton not to write the story and saying it was it was going to yes. destroy lives? And well, uh, I've been on the end of that before. And, and I know what that's like. Yeah, I bet you do. And Beaton um, basically saying, "Sorry, this is the tip of the iceberg." Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sorry, Danny told me to. Yeah. <laughs> There's other stuff in here on Snyder. Um, just about how the you know oh this is my this is my favorite. Gruden's legal team went as far as to research prior work by the reporters who received the leaks and found what it saw as favorable stories previously written by written about Dan and Tanya Snyder and Rock Nation, Jay-Z's you know PR firm. The New York Times uh, Rossman, I think her name was Catherine Rossman, who was uh, in on the piece with Ken Belson. Um, about the leaked emails, uh, wrote a piece in February 2020 about Rock Nation's partnership with the NFL. The journal's beaten, wrote in June of 2021, which we were talking about before and we've talked about many times in the past, about Dan and Tanya Snyder's efforts to reform the team's culture, including a rare on-the-record interview with Dan Snyder, which we, we, we spent uh, an entire show talking about how this guy clearly was embarrassing the Wall Street Journal with this story. But here's a quote in in follow-up to this paragraph of, you know, you know, all these favorable stories written about the team in Snyder in the Times and in the Wall Street Journal. A source close to Snyder who was aware of all of these previous stories done by reporters said, quote, how stupid can you be? They left a trail in the dirt, close quote. I mean, and that's what we've been saying for a year. Like, I, you, it's so obvious that this was you. And it's so obvious that this is what caused you to sell the team. Like, you just could never. For somebody who people have told me is so innately bright and intelligent, and I'm not disputing that. You know, there can be innate intelligence. It doesn't mean you're smart all the time. Be, he did so many stupid things, and this was near the top of the list. I still think firing Marty was the, at the top of the list. Um, but this was Here's one this other, got him. One other part that is absolutely hilarious. Uh, when Gruden was trying to figure out why Snyder had it in for him, he knew that Snyder hated Bruce Allen and all that stuff. Here's, a, here's the exchange oh, part. Gruden thought back to an exchange with Snyder years earlier when he had bumped into Snyder at a restaurant. Gruden believed Snyder was drunk, and he and Gruden started playfully trash-talking, with Snyder calling Gruden fat and Gruden saying he might dribble his head into the asphalt. <laughs> Uh, right, but it, it, but both men laughed, but Gruden wondered if yes. Snyder had taken offense. Of you course know? he took offense. Of course he did. I mean, because, you know, it's not only is it, you know, like, I'll kick your ass, it's I'll kick your short little ass 
because I can just dribble yeah. your head into the asphalt, you short person. Um, which might be the root cause of all of this. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, the, look, Snyder thought that, it, I, ironically, and this piece sort of points this out, that believe it or not, the leaked emails might help group, might help Goodell in his, um, you know, uh, in his desire to see Gruden take a big hit. But it's also clear because this is what we dealt with, you know, during these last several years is that Dan thought that this would make Bruce look like the guy that was behind the whole toxic workplace. You know, it, yeah. it, this is what was going through his mind during this period is how do I pin all of this on Bruce? This wasn't me. I didn't. I'm not wrong. This was Bruce's fault. And as we've said for years for Dan, that's been a big part of the problem is it's always been somebody else's fault. And in trying to prove that it was somebody else's fault, he lost his team. Um, something else would have happened. And I still believe that the family had been pushing for this and certainly in recent years really was pushing for this, for him to sell the team. Uh, but this this thing was dead at the time. Do you know... Um, I, I don't know where I read this uh, after I saw this story this uh, this morning. So I forgive me if I'm reading somebody's tweet uh, that I can't remember whose tweet I'm reading. But somebody who had some of the women on uh, apparently had asked, you know, one of these women, you know, with the Lisa Banks, et cetera, um, victims and alleged victims. And I've had some of them on the show as well over the last few years. Had asked, you know, at the, you know, a couple of months removed from the Wilkinson investigation if they thought the whole thing was over. And they said they did. You know, so even the people that were continuing, you know, kind of hashtag release the report, they all thought it was over. You know why? Because it was. That part of the Dan Snyder, you know, uh, issues was over. And it wasn't going to cost him his team. Even though Van Atta told me this morning, by by the way, Tommy, at the end, he said one thing that, that is that's very clear, and it's been clear to us for, for a long period of time, but really, you know, when you talk to owners and people in the league, they are just so, so happy that Snyder is on his way out, that this guy has just been such a problem for them and they are so excited to see Josh Harris and the new group come in, you know, a week from tomorrow. Uh, you know, is when yeah. the vote will be taken. Um yeah. Be interesting if somebody like Mark Davis just said, No, I want I'm not voting for him. I want Dan <laughs> to stay. Um all right. <laughs> Let, let's get to the other thing uh that was an interesting story related to the team, not having anything to do with football. Um, but with the way the organization behaves. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelly's. You know, Shelly's Backroom obviously has a well-earned reputation as being one of the premier cigar bars in the country. Yeah. Uh, Its reputation is coast-to-coast. And that is because, you know, we have a lot of outsiders who come to Washington to do business, and they wind up going to Shelly's, you know, after their business is done, and they bring the word back. The home saying, whenever you go to Washington, make sure you stop at Shelley's. Now that, you know, they, they get that reputation for a lot of reasons, including their great selection of cigars. But what really is underrated is the remarkable selection of, of drinks that they have at Shelley's. You know, I'm not a whiskey guy. Are you a whiskey guy? I don't mind whiskey, no. I, I don't mind it at all. I mean, yeah, I don't mind it, but I don't go out of my way to drink it. Mm-hmm. Shelley's has over a hundred different types of whiskey, mm, but they got some good Jameson. Yeah, they've got. You know, I, I don't know anything about whiskey that much. Mm-hmm. But I know Johnny Walker is a big name. Yep. They have Johnny Walker Blue. Yep. They have Black. black they have Double Black. They have Gold. They have Green. Yep. They have Johnny Walker King George <laughs> Platinum. I yep. imagine Johnny Walker Platinum's pretty good. Uh, I'm not, look, what do you think? Uh, well, of course it's pretty good. Um, but I, I, am not a, I, I'm not a, a, I'm not a hard liquor expert in any way, shape or form. I'm not a cigar expert. I don't even, 
I drink beer. I drink hard liquor. I drink wine. I'm not an expert in any of these areas, but I don't need to be if I'm at Shelley's because they got the experts there to help you out. Exactly. That's exactly right. Irish whiskey, they've got Jameson, Jameson Gold. They've got Bushmills. I mean, they've got Crown Royal, Crown Royal Reserve. It's just, it's so much more. And I've told you about the food already. The food is just, it's like... It, it's a, a, it's like a five-tool player in baseball. Right. That's what Shelley's is, you know? I mean, they've got it all. Shelley's back room, 1331 F Street Northwest in the district. You can find out more by going to Shelley'sBackroom.com. I will tell you this. I was given a gift um, at Christmas last year, uh, and it was Whistle Pig um, whiskey, and it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, and I looked up what the price was, and it was pretty damn expensive. Uh, but that was a very kind gift. Um, don't forget to rate us and review us whenever you have a chance. Follow us as well, especially on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the follow button for Apple's in the upper right-hand corner for Spotify. It's down the left side. But, man, Tommy, lots of five-star reviews uh, uh, ratings and reviews to catch up on here. Um, this one, uh, I'm almost embarrassed to admit the impact you guys have had on my life. <laughs> Five stars from <laughs> Church76. Kevin, Tom, you are literally almost considered family in my house. I grew up in Fairfax, went to Robinson High School, and was beaten by a field goal in the state semis by a freshman from Pulaski named Shane Graham. We remember him. Kevin, I've listened to you since the Rigo show and have continued to follow your career and have benefited from your shows exponentially. Tom, your laugh is magnetic and has brought a smile to my face numerous times. I just recently inherited my family's beach house in Manasquan and have relocated. Kevin, I was blown away when you mentioned the Parker House in Spring Lake. Life is crazy. Thank you both. I'm sorry it took me so long to review, but I am retired and completely selfish. Ha ha. Keep it going, guys. Yeah. My brother-in-law lives in Manasquan. Um, and all of my in-laws uh, were in that uh, you know Monmouth uh, County, uh, Spring Lake, Belmar, Avon, all of those areas up there, which I've spent lots of time in those areas over the years and love that part of Jersey, which Tommy is further North from where you're going, which is Wildwood and where you typically, typically go. Um, but thank you for that, uh, church 76. That means a lot. And a lot of you sent some really good ones. Let me just pull up another one. Um, Uh, Five stars, as usual, from Sean. Uh, Can't wait for you guys to come back from a much-deserved vacation to hear some stories about it in the first segment to go along with the normal first-segment banter. As usual, love the show. Uh, Oh, this from Lucas from La Plata. Kevin, I'm not sure if it was ever brought up again, but did you end up getting ACL surgery for your pup? Love the show. Yes. In fact... When I got back last week, uh, the following morning after I got back on on Thursday, Wednesday, was taking my um, beautiful dog in for it's actually CCL surgery. It's it's not the it's not called the ACL in a dog, but it's the same thing. And she had surgery, and I will tell you, it's been a lot of work at home the last few days, Tommy, <laughs> because. <laughs> 
you know, you have to, you know, constantly, you know, lots of meds um, and lots of, you know, uh, starting rehab, lots of compresses, cold, hot, lots of bandage, you know, watching. And you have to keep her in an area where she can't run, jump, and jump. So we had to cordon off this one area in the house and... She has to wear the, you know, the cone so that she doesn't go after the stitches. And you can tell she's not very happy with us. Dogs are smart. Like when we picked her up from this thing, she just was not happy with us at all that (laughs) that we put her through that. Um, But she's doing much better now. And it's just, I'll tell you, man, these, I, I love dogs but I kind of understand the people that don't do pets because they end up being incredibly time-consuming. I mean, all for the right it reasons. Is. But um, it's a it's a financial and personal commitment. It, it is, and bulldogs and and Laney, my my English bulldog, they are known for having issues, health and other, and we didn't know that actually when we. <laughs> We purchased her, but it's very, it's funny. And I'll just tell the story real quickly. Um, a really good friend of mine, she, uh, from high school, she's a big time vet and a rehab vet in the area. And I called her initially just to say, what do you think we should do? And she said, what kind of dog do you have? And I said, an English bulldog. And she just said, oh, Kevin, <laughs> that was the response. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. And she's like, you're just in for it. They're the, they're the greatest dogs. And, but they just have lots of issues over the course of their life. And, and, and anyway, long story short, because she's only three and a half, this was like a necessary surgery. If she had been nine or 10, we probably wouldn't have done it. But, um, okay. Enough on my dog. Uh, This was from Tom in Central PA. I rarely watch or listen to sports anymore since the demise of the Redskins, but I enjoy listening to Kevin and Tom. Always entertaining. P.S. Liked your take on the Carson Wentz bear hunt picture. I'm not a fan of grip and grins shared with the public, but as a hunter myself, it was good to hear a common sense take on it. Uh, Thank you very much. Write us, uh, rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify in particular. It's very helpful. So l- let's get to this thing that um, you saw, I guess, uh, yesterday. And um, it was from a Twitter account titled Washington Redskins, a blue check uh, t- Twitter account, um, which means they purchased it's a purchased blue check account uh the handle is at wash redskins nfl and it's a fan site uh that had as of last night about a thousand followers and it's been you know uh it's a site that that reads you know hail to the redskins and it's a fan site and they do a lot of you know old videos of you know big wins and this this person whoever it is is a fan of the team so this person sent out and tweeted out a note that they got from the team, all right, via direct message. And they wrote, hey, guys, the commanders want me to change my name. What do you think? Meaning change the name of their Twitter account, which, again, looks kind of official, Washington Redskins, although that's not their team name anymore, I think, um, at Wash Redskins NFL. And the team wrote to them and said the following, quote, 
We love your enthusiasm for our team history and your account and all the throwback highlights you've been churning out. Really awesome stuff, and the fans have been loving it. We wanted to reach out, though, to ask you to add something to your Twitter name so it doesn't appear solely as Washington Redskins, i.e. adding unofficial or fan in order to avoid fans thinking your account is an official account of ours. If you'd rather talk about this further offline, we're happy to as well. Just let us know where we, where and how we can reach out. So that was the team reaching out to this site that looks kind of like a team site, but there are a lot of sites that look like team sites. No offense to this guy. Yeah. Um, and the team reached out to um, suggest, I think nicely, that he add like unofficial or fan account so that it was distinguished from the team's Twitter account. This guy now has approaching 6,000 followers and I think approaching like 3 million views to this actual um, account. Uh, yo. There's a new account up. Have you seen this? This is why I couldn't find it, Tommy. Uh, Let's go through the rest of this, and then I'll update the situation, because maybe, just maybe, he complied. But anyway, what was your reaction to seeing this? Well, I saw this. Somebody sent it to me via direct messenger on Twitter, and I retweeted a, a screenshot of it, with a comment at the top, this team is exhausting. What I meant by that was, and, and my position on this would be, it's a very nice message. They weren't mean. Right. They didn't seem like they were trying to strong-arm him in any way, shape, or form. And they may have a point. But why do this? Right. Why? Yes. You know, why poke the bear? Now, the name has become a huge source of debate again. The old name, not the new name. The old name now, Redskins, has become a big source of debate on social media between the fans, who, who, who and there's a lot of them, you know. It may make you angry, but there's a lot of people who don't think the name should have been changed. You know, so you have basically fired up debate about the old name again and reminded everybody once again how stupid the new name is. Just just let this lay. Yes. It's not like he couldn't have been reaping rewards from this thing. It's not like he was robbing the team blind. Right? Uh, of course. This is exactly this was so uh, this is this is a rare show for the two of us. Uh, we are we are agreeing way too much. When I saw this, the first thing I thought of was, "What are you doing? Why, just like I, I said the same thing. Let let sleeping dogs lie. Like yes. like wait till you're nine and three in November and then go after this guy with and, a new owner. Yeah, with a new owner. Now look, it's very possible that the new ownership told him to do this. For all we know, or it's very possible I that mean, somebody within the organization is trying to impress new ownership by doing this because maybe this is something Josh Harris's teams have done in Philly or uh, or 
or New Jersey. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I highly. Doubt I doubt it too. That the, the, the transition team of Josh Harris has this on the list. But but to to your point, and it, first of all, I, I so I had two sort of parallel thoughts. One was. Oh, God, if I were in that meeting to discuss whether or not to do this, I would have said absolutely not. And I would have used your, you know, your expression. The juice just ain't worth the squeeze, guys. The team's being sold next week. Like, this is not going to generate a great reaction. It doesn't matter how nice you present it. Like, everything we tweet out from the account, it's more negative in response than positive, even when we're saying something nice about a good player. Um, so I would have, I would have not done this. I would have suggested, no, we can't do this. And if like legal people said, yeah, but we got to protect this. Like we actually still own this trademark and it can be confusing. And what if these people decided to put out something racist or something horrible and people thought it was us, then we're battling, you know, that at that moment. And I'm like, well, look at it. This guy's just a big fan. I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to do anything. And look there. I understand they they have the right and they should be trying to protect. By the way, it's interesting that they're trying to protect the old name, but they still have that marked. But what they're really trying to protect is that anybody gets confused with this account with their own. By the way, your point about bringing up the old name again didn't actually immediately come to mind for me. I was thinking more about if you can read the room, at this point you have to be able to read the room, please. You're going to look like, no matter how nice you put this, that you are trying to bully this guy off of Twitter. And I love the way they wrote it. Like, it was very non-threatening, you know? Now, look, yes. there's an uh, there, there's an implication here that we'd really like you to do this, and maybe the next step might be lawyers. I mean, I would read it that way if I was him. But they didn't really – they weren't bullying. They weren't antagonistic, you know, Um and they have the right to protect these things, and I understand that concern, but it's like, you know, right now, no. No, because I can predict what the reaction's going to be. The reaction's going to be more negative than positive about leave this guy the fuck alone. And, and to yes. you, boy, we're, we're dropping a lot of F-bombs on the show today, or I am. <laughs> Um, this show is probably going to be uh, not uh, not designated as clean. But we were quoting before. That was not a quote. Um, I just wouldn't have done it now. I, I agree with you. Like, what what can possibly happen between... T- let the new guy t- handle this stuff. Yeah. Once the new and, guy's think, in... You know, yeah. And... and uh... My, I can tell you the reaction I got to my tweet on social, on Twitter, and also I posted it on Facebook. Yeah, is it ignited a debate between the fans that would like them to still be called Redskins and the fans who think it's racist? Oh God! Okay, I, so the debate yeah. started all over again. No, it's a great point. I, I read. I look. I did read like the first twenty-five or so because I wanted because I knew it was going to be more, um, you know, anti-team than anti this guy. And look, this guy was trying to get some attention, which worked. Okay, it worked. He he yeah. he, he he times five and a half of you know almost. Uh, because it's like, it's, you know, not five and a half, but time, I mean, whatever his followers were, he's at 6,000 now. It's almost six times 
um, what he had. And he had, as of this morning when I was doing the radio show, and I can't find it anymore, 2.2 million views and thousands of, of responses to this, which, by the way, is exactly the proof that the advice to the team to let this just slide for right now is the reaction it got. Like, stop. Like, you don't need people to be anti-you right now. And they're going to be. I can predict this. So um, so we agree on this. Now, again, yes. again, I understand the team's position, and I'm sure there are yes, lawyers. I, I do as well. But, but here's the other point, I Tommy. I do 100%. Here's the other point. You're going to chase down all these sites. Do you do you know how many how many Twitter accounts there are with the team's name in it, the current name, the old name, the the WTF? Um, Notre Dame, and I know this because you know I am kind of a closet Notre Dame fan. There are so many Twitter handles, and I would assume the same for the Cowboys and for the Yankees and for the Lakers and. There are so many Twitter accounts that you can easily get confused, look like sort of team accounts that don't say, you know, fan accounts. So what are you going to do? Chase down all of them? Look, this one does look like, you know, a t- I, I could see how p- some people would get confused. And Denton, my producer, made a really good point. He said maybe it's the blue check that got him to go after this one a little bit because it really looks official with the blue check, even though they paid for it. Maybe that's true. But here's an update to the story, and I just realized this as we got into this. Go to at Wash Redskins NFL now. The old Twitter account taken down. A new one joined July of 2023 because the old one was joined in 2010. This one just joined this morning. Washington Redskins, no blue check mark. At Wash Redskins NFL. Hail to the Redskins, hail victory. So this person took down the blue check and opened up a new site. And maybe that was the maybe that was the agreement with the team. Maybe he got something for taking the blue check off of it. Are you seeing this? Yeah. So I'm looking at it. Yeah, he just opened it up. Fifty-four followers now. Now, not six thousand. And that that tweet from yesterday is not up. The first two tweets are seventy chip Rigo fourth and one, and the NFC Championship game that preceded it a week earlier. The the Dexter Manley tip and the Daryl Grant touchdown, which are two glorious moments. Okay, oh, somebody you won out there in Ashburn. Well, they you got, got what the- you wanted. Well, they kind of did. If it was just the blue check yes, that did. was bothering them, he still has it yes, titled Washington they... Redskins. Yeah. Yeah, they they got what they wanted, but they paid a price for it. I mean, I don't I mean, it they should be numb to that by now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Really? I... I mean, they should be actually numb to being hated, you know? Numb to being criticized. It's just that's that's a day that ends with a Y for this organization until July 20th. It's, well, what you tweeted out, it it is exhausting. It's exhausting. You know what else is exhausting as part of this is just the constant people. I I just, this is, this has become a real, um, 
a real thing for me. I, I don't understand why, and I know so many of you are out there in your daily lives preaching toler, you know, tolerance and open thought, and you just want to shut down everybody that feels attached to the old name. Stop it. It's the way they feel. I feel that way. Now, it doesn't preclude me from also thinking that the top priority for Josh Harris should be getting in like a really good general manager and football person to start winning. Like you can do more than one thing at a time, but this lecturing on people who still are attached to the name is, I mean, I, I am totally fine with you not having an issue with the new name or being uh, removed from the old name and being fine with that. But my God, this is, this is a, an emotional attachment for a lifetime. Yeah. This is a real yeah. deal for the majority of people that have cared at one time or another about this team. And this ownership group knows it. I don't know what they'll be able to do about it, but they are sensitive to it. Now, we're going to know a week from today, not a week from today, but a, a day or two after they are voted and the thing closes, et cetera, and the money's wired. Because there's going to be, I would assume, I would hope, an introductory presser with Josh Harris, don't you think? I would think so. I wonder if Magic Johnson will be there. I would think that you would want him there if you're Josh Harris. I wonder if Mitchell Rails, who's been described as kind of reclusive, and private would be there. But, yeah, I would think that there'd have to be some kind of introductory press conference. Absolutely. Yeah, and they're going to be, uh, you know, there, there will be a lot of questions. I mean, Jason Wright's going to be part of that conversation for sure. You know, one of the things I, I forget if you and I talked about this, I think we did talk about this um, the other day, just the report that Jason Wright's, you know, coming back. We never talked about that. Okay, I did in the show on Friday. If you want to talk about it real quickly, I mean, I kind of, no. I kind of viewed it as something okay. that just, just didn't think, seem I permanent. Huh? I just viewed it as okay, whatever. This is hardly permanent. They're just, yeah. they're just taking Again, their like time. You pointed this out. You pointed this out numerous times, and you're right. Most teams don't. Most fans don't even know who their team president is. No, but I, I, I'd like to get back to those days. That would be nice. Right. And it, it, it's an issue here, and it will continue to be an issue as long as he's in that job. And I would just think that I, I would, if I was a fan, I would think this is just until he finds a way to ease himself out. Yeah. I mean, there's, look, I said the other day, and I'll say it with you, I, there's a lot we don't know. Okay, we don't know what these people out there do every day. What we do know is what is public-facing. You know, we know about the Sean Taylor disaster of his retirement, you know, of his Jersey retirement weekend. You know, we know about the team name and the, you know, the less than enthusiastic, you know, rollout and execution of the new name and branding, you know, along with the messed up, you know, crest, which, you know, I, I think I was a big part of getting changed to yes. something that turned in yes, to be the right crest. I mean, 
things like uh, what you reported on, you know, the the cruise thing and the, the debacle there and, you know, the, the raffle checks being bounced and all of these things that have been public facing. The, the team website, the Take Command website that had all the spelling errors and all the dates that were just the sloppiness of everything that they've done. I'm talking about the new group. Um, that we see, but there's a lot that we don't see. And the bottom line is the timing of the takeover of this franchise just isn't conducive to, you know, coming in and cleaning house. You just can't do that at the end of July when you were three weeks away, a week, seven days away from training right. camp and th- two and a half weeks or three weeks away from a preseason game. You know, you're going to, you're going to take your time. And I made this point too, Tommy, and I think it's relevant the first thing you're not going to do is fire the first ever team black team president in NFL history. It's not going to be your first move. Now, they may learn that Jason Wright offers a lot and, you know, the HR department is a beacon in in business and companies from all over the globe are coming to see what they did with their HR department, which is what he has suggested in the past. There may be some really good, you know, salespeople and marketing people and business people in the organization. I mean, we may find that there's a lot we don't know about the great job that we've done. That's why it's hard for me to get to where you got, which is he's got to go. But what I do think is happening and what, you know, Howard's told us many times, this is a group that's not going to do what Dan did, which is be impulsive. They're not going to come in and just start shooting everybody. They're going to take their time. They're going to figure this thing out. And if you believe what I think is to be true, which is they've had no access, the league hasn't allowed it and won't allow it until they actually are owners of the team. It's going to, I want them to take their time on this stuff and get it right. Anyway. It's a full plate of stuff here, boss. You know, I don't like to eat so much in the summer. <laughs> It is for the quietest day on the sports calendar. That is, I mean, we got presented with a buffet with some real high-end meat. I mean, (laughs) we got filet, we got Chateaubriand, we got some good stuff up here. Um, All right, what else you got? Anything? Oh, I was going to do this thing about Pat Forty's story, but I'll save that for next time. Okay, one last thing. The Hall Pro Football Hall of Fame made their announcement about semifinalists for senior committee selections, and Joe Jacoby and Larry Brown are semifinalists on the seniors list. Awesome. I didn't see that. And I'm so far, happy. And, and, and coaches and contributors, both Mike Shanahan and Marty Schottenheimer, are on that list as well. As they should be. Um, uh, that's that's good news uh, because I do think that Jake's eventually going to get in via the senior route. It might be this year. I, I, I you hope. know, if that happens, then if that happens, then we have to have a road trip to Canton. It is, but I would love to do that because um, I've never been to Canton. Uh, who's who else is on that list? You said Larry Brown's on that list. Um, Larry Brown's. I just looked at the ones from the uh, Washington team. Right. Uh, that's awesome. Um, we're not talking about Dallas's Larry Brown, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. The, the DB. No, I don't think so. We're not talking about that. You know, the, he, he no. had, he had a Super Bowl touchdown. Didn't he have a Super Bowl touchdown for the Cowboys against the Steelers? I don't uh, think he was MVP of the league. 
No, he was not MVP of the league. Um, but he was the. <laughs> but wasn't he the Super Bowl MVP? I maybe not. Who was that Super? Look, MVP? I'm going to assume it, that reasonable people put Larry Brown, the running back, on that list. <laughs> I I would like to think that it's that Larry Brown too. Is B is B Mitch on the list? I didn't see him. Um, is Ken Anderson on the list? He's the one that I always Ken Anderson is. Ken Anderson is on the list. Hmm. Yeah, that that's Carl Banks, Randy Gratishar, Joe Jacoby, Billy White Shoes Johnson. Hmm. Uh, Jim Marshall, Otis Taylor's on the list. Otis Taylor. We thought he was in the Hall of Fame. All right. Well, you did. I yeah. didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, you knew. You're you're an expert on the Chiefs. The, and I'm being serious about those 60s and 70s Chiefs teams. All right. Uh, we're done for the day. Uh, Tommy's done for the week. He'll be back with me on Tuesday. I'll be back tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.